Winnipeg's real estate market has been ramping up over the past year, and buyers are scooping up vacant buildings. Despite this, safety and upkeep issues surrounding these buildings remain. In this four-part series, Red River College journalism students uncover how vacant buildings and lots affect Winnipeg's communities. How do they get left behind? What's being done about them? Today, I'm speaking with reporters Sydney Lockhart and Hyatt Abinshin. I'm your host, Michelle Karlenzig, and this is Vacant City. In 2019, a 43-year-old Blair Jonathan was hired by a landowner of a vacant building in Winnipeg's Centennial area. He was asked to do some maintenance and clean out some of the garbage that people who had been squatting in the property had left there. He had routinely been asked by his boss to go clean up the building, where he would take trailer loads to the dump full of bicycles he says were stolen. There was clothing, drug paraphernalia, and also weapons. He says they had a feeling there may have been some things hidden in the walls. So they began pulling them apart, and inside the walls they found knives, machetes, bats, and even bullets, but no actual guns. So where exactly is this building? It's, it's on Pacific Avenue, just east of Isabel. But the property owner doesn't actually live in Winnipeg. He lives in Toronto. When I reached out to him, he didn't return any of my messages. Are there people occupying it now? Blair and I went past the property, and when we went by, it didn't look like there was anyone living there. It's tough to tell, though, with all the windows boarded up and, uh, and you can't see in whatsoever. But Jonathan told me the people who were occupying the space before were, for the most part, non-confrontational whenever he was there cleaning up. One time, when Jonathan went to clean up the property alone, he says he was barricaded in the house by some of the people who had been living there. And uh, I was on the second floor... And all the windows are boarded up, and all everything's boarded up, and there's only one way onto the first floor. But I was on the second floor, and they, they blocked me in. They closed the door and, and barricaded the door and put the deadbolt on, and was yelling and swearing at me. And I, there is no way out. And I figured they are going to set the house on fire or come back. Were they actually threatening you Yeah, they said, we're, you know, you're going to get it. So I didn't know what that meant. They were either going to set on fire with me trapped up here or they were going to come back with five other guys. I didn't know what that meant. What was making you both think that it was uh, going to be a fire? Is that something that you've seen in the area? Well, <laughs> anything when you say you're going to get it, well, they're, they're going to do something, right? The house is trashed. they got nothing to lose. But, you know, they're going to do something to hurt me. So, Jonathan ended up yelling down to a bus driver who then called the police. The bus driver had just parked his car on his way to his shift. We actually went with him to the site, and he didn't want to get out of the car because he didn't want to be seen talking to a reporter. He said people in the neighborhood don't take well to snitches. And how many blocks down? Uh, maybe half a block down. It's on your left-hand side, and you could probably see it from here. Slow down a little bit, don't it? Yeah, you see, if you see that house with all the boards up? Which one? Oh, like the one kind of right. out front, eh? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, so all the windows are boarded up, hey? Yeah. And you guys did that? You put all the windows yep. up? See, it's a third floor where all the, that's where I was stuck is up there where the windows are open. That's where they locked me in. And so that's where you called down to the bus driver? Yeah, he, where, was, sitting, he was sitting right here. Wow. Yeah. So luckily he was able to come down safely, but his experience is not an anomaly. My colleague, Sidney Lockhart, did some digging around and spoke to some of the realtors in the city, trying to understand the struggles that they face around vacant properties. Well, realtors selling these vacant homes get complaints about the state of the properties they're trying to sell on a regular basis. Peter Squire, who's the Vice President of External Relations and Marketing Intelligence at the Winnipeg Regional Real Estate Board, told me that a lot of the vacant homes that they're trying to sell are being used as dumping grounds by people trying to avoid city dump fees. Uh, people just see it as, a, as a, uh, a place of opportunity to unload something, right? And they probably do it in the middle of the night and, and, and drop some things off and they're on their way, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have to go to the city dump and spend fees and... It just seems like a, you know, a, a bit of an opportunity, a, an easy path to do something that they shouldn't be doing. And then we end up obviously getting the call because it's on our property and we have to deal with it. Real estate agent Tony Martone sells properties around the city and ran into an issue with a vacant home that ended up costing the homeowner quite a bit of money just to be able to sell their property. Well, what's happening now is they'll find a vacant house <clears throat> and they'll break in and they'll stay in there, they'll sleep in there or whatever they're doing because the vacant houses are usually heated. Another thing that's got to be we got to be very careful on because we've seen a lot with the, the drug problem around people are breaking and stealing the copper because copper's worth a lot of money. Right? So we got to be really careful. So when there's a vacant house that we have listed, one of the things we want to make sure that we're doing is checking on the property once in a while to make sure that it is not vacant and make sure that everything's going fine on it. And have you ever had, like, complaints from neighbors of the buildings um, about these kind of things happening? Like, do those complaints go to you once you take on that listing? Well, once you take on the listing, they'll some will say, hey, you know what, the window got broken. Or, hey, there was somebody in this house, you know, and then we'll go and take a look at it. There was one of my listings a few years ago where <clears throat> I went to check on it and I heard the water running. And sure enough, they took the copper and water was running right down the floor, like right down in this house it was all vacant it just kept on running down the stairs because the water was coming from the kitchen sink which there was no copper so of course you have to make your way down there turn the water off downstairs on the shut off and call and get that all taken care of but again they were broken in through the side door so then who 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 takes on that cost of replacing well the, the owner of the owner of the house has to take it on because he's got to carry insurance right gotcha okay and is this something that still happens fairly often? I haven't heard of it lately. I have not heard of it lately. Um, but uh, in, in the past, it has happened, yeah. And what, so then with squatters, um, yeah. how, how do you guys deal with that? Well, you have no side of the police. I've never come across somebody in there. I've never been in the situation where I had to get some people removed. But I've heard other realtors say they've got to call, you know, they've got to call uh, police and stuff like this to remove these people, these unwanted people in the house. How do the owners upkeep these properties? 
if at all? Well, we tried to contact many of the owners of vacant properties around Winnipeg, and they all refused to speak with us. Uh, they say that they're concerned about being painted as slumlords. And what did they mean by that? So I wasn't really sure either. And uh, talking to two property owners, they said that they received some, some harsh judgment from the community when they decided to halt operations of their buildings and eventually evict their tenants. So why didn't they want to talk to you? We would explain our intention and willingness to explore their side of the story, but they were still unwilling to associate their name with the property in any form of media. Okay, so landlords wouldn't speak to you, but what else did you learn from speaking to the realtors? Well, despite the upkeep hassle in the last year, the rate of vacant homes being sold in Winnipeg has actually gone up. According to Martone, there are 204 vacant residential buildings in Winnipeg right now. Which is not necessarily a high number compared to cities like Vancouver, Montreal, or Toronto, but it is a significant improvement from the nearly 500 vacant residential properties there were in Winnipeg in 2018. We're getting a lot of investors. We've got an influx of investors coming in now where they're buying these properties sight unseen. <clears throat> and they'll come in, they'll renovate them. Again, realtor Tony Martone. Why, yeah. why do you think there's been this influx of them? Well, interest rate number one, and uh, Winnipeg is a really, has a really cheap market, um, and there's a lot of investors that will come in, they'll flip houses, and they'll like to pick them up as vacant because they're coming in there, you know, they've got to come and open up the walls and do stuff like that too, so you'll see a lot of uh, so-called investors that will come and do that. He also said that these vacant houses are selling faster than ever because of the low interest rates and the pandemic. Well, that's interesting. So how does the pandemic affect this? Martone was telling me that people who enjoy home renovation shows have been buying houses to flip with all the spare time they have now because of the pandemic. However, buying these homes with a plan to demolish them is more difficult because it needs to be approved by the city. This is causing many of the homes, even after they are sold, to sit empty for quite a while. Well, we spoke with the CEO of Habitat for Humanity, Sandy Hopkins. He said... Habitat will sometimes have buildings sit vacant for up to a year because they aren't ready to even begin building yet. Um, so we buy them various ways, but uh, uh, you know the older ones uh, in, in, in the uh, more challenging neighborhoods in town uh, often have uh, a whole house that has to come down. And one of the one of the problems I think this is getting at with what you are uh, working on. Uh, the city is. Very reluctant, extremely difficult to convince them to issue a demolition permit unless they're also issuing the building permit for the replacement unit at the same time. And, and we've argued with them for years that what makes the most sense is get the old derelict building down fast and then build when it makes sense to build. But get, get, the, get the hazard out of the way. Get the hazard out of the community. And uh, so I'm not, I've never understood uh, why they don't want to do that. Uh, I'm sure there's some history there that, you know, maybe people knocked them down and left a hole in the ground or knocked them down and never built a house. I, I don't know what, what their rationale is, but uh, but their policy is uh, you only issue one when you issue the other. So it sounds like this could be an ongoing issue for Habitat for Humanity. 
So they don't currently have any vacant buildings in the city, but he said Habitat for Humanity has had to turn down properties that are donated to them because they don't have the resources to propose a build plan at the same time as demolition. Hopkins says Habitat also has issues sometimes convincing the community that it is, in fact, a good thing for its prosperity. But we also engage in a uh, 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 process with the community where we're going to build. So we'll introduce Habitat to the community because there's actually a lot of negative uh, feedback. What What is that negative feedback usually around? Well, pe- well uh, people don't know who Habitat is or they, you know, they think we're uh, Manitoba Housing or they think we're somebody else. Uh, and so we need to educate them as to who we are and what we're doing and that this is home ownership and not, not rentals. Um, and that's always better for a community if it's ownership, not rentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's really just an education process to make sure they understand who we are and what we're doing. Right. And then, and then we want to be sensitive to the desires and needs and wishes of the community as well. To the extent that we can, we'll uh, adjust build uh, plans or site, site design to meet uh, uh, suggestions from the community. Right on. And and then once that process uh, like rolls out, it's usually pretty smooth from there? No. Uh, anything to do with development uh, is, not, is never smooth. Um, and that's not peculiar to Winnipeg. Uh, and, and talking to my colleagues in other cities across the country, um, they're, uh, uh, you know, they, they, it's always difficult to get from a piece of bare land to where you can get a shovel in the ground. Uh, and uh, I guess that's just caution from the cities who've been you know, burnt over the years by a developer saying we're going to do this and then do something else. So there's uh, some very tight uh, regulations and processes that uh, have to be followed. Uh, best case scenario to get an approval from the city of Winnipeg takes about a year. So Hopkins was willing to speak with you about these issues? So Habitat is a philanthropic organization with an ongoing working relationship with the city. Hopkins was willing to air some of his grievances because of the convivial relationship that he has with city council. Though private developers were very reluctant to weigh in. I spoke to one person who said he wouldn't go on record for fear of the city essentially cutting ties with him completely if he were to speak out against the process that the city has in place. And so you said that you, um, you, you're, you've been arguing with them, kind of going back and forth about this for years. Um, can you tell me a little yep. bit about what, that, what your arguments have been and how that process has been for well, you? The, the argument is just that. You, you, you've, got a, you've got a property that uh, you know, it, it may be just decrepit from age. Uh, it may have uh, had a fire, and part of it is still standing. Um, and e- either way, it's a hazard. Um, kids in the community, you know, it's like a magnet for kids to go check out things like that. Uh, and and so there's a risk that they're going to get hurt. Uh, there's also some, you know, bad stuff goes on on inside some of those places. People break in and and have uh, you know you know parties and what have you. Uh, that uh, have have risk associated with them. Uh, sometimes they'll uh, they'll even will buy a property and then uh, some uh, one of the city inspectors or uh, bylaw officers will send us all, tell us we have to go and fence the yard or do some repairs on the on on the property. <laughs> Why would we spend thousands of dollars repairing the thing when we're going to knock it down? Just give us the damn demolition permit.
If Habitat doesn't take the vacant buildings and the landowner decides to sell this year, on average, it would most likely sell within 20 days. Real estate agent Leslie Westlack said as long as the house isn't priced too high, it won't have a problem selling in Winnipeg due to the lack of available homes and land. Even the ones that I see that are vacant online, they sell just as fast. The market right now is we've got such low inventory, so everything's selling. <laughs> um, like even the really run-down places? Um, well, it, if they're priced right, yes. Like if, if they're priced too high, anything will sit if it's priced over market value. But even if it's run down, yeah, north end and it's, um, and it's priced right, it'll sell. So what was it that made these buildings so hard to sell in the past? One of the issues that used to make selling vacant properties difficult was the inability to show clients what the inside of the house would look like with furniture in it and the windows not boarded up. Is there any way for staging companies to get around that issue with boarded up houses? In recent years, digital staging companies have actually popped up and helped real estate companies make the vacant properties more appealing. So with the combination of low interest rates, a market with very few properties available, and digital staging practice, vacant home sales have gone up. And what does this mean for Winnipeg? This is actually a much needed increase because in 2016, Winnipeg saw a 42% spike in the number of empty homes. The number comes from a study done by Point Two Homes, a Canadian real estate resource hub. So how do these houses get like this? Well, many of the vacant properties that are not actually on the market are owned by people who either don't live in the area or don't even live in Winnipeg. So they don't have a chance to see the property or the effect that it has on the neighborhood. I reached out to city councillor for the St. James district, Scott Gillingham, who's done a lot of work around vacant properties in this city. And he says that he hears complaints about uncut lawns, damaged property, sometimes animal occupancy, as well as people living there settled informally. So we just want to make sure the goal is we want to make sure our communities uh, are filled with people who are good neighbors and taking care of, of the property they own. And so um, what what about uh, properties where the actual landlord or the owner of the property is not um, on, on site? What happens then? The one we were dealing with uh, is an individual owned property. He lived in the southern U.S. but owned a piece of property in, in Winnipeg. And trying to get that individual to comply with the neighborhood, bill of, neighborhood livability bylaw was, was very, very difficult. So from time to time, it can present a challenge. He said the city tries to enforce neighborhood livability bylaws as much as they can, but often has difficulty contacting these property owners. Those bylaws, you know, have, uh, have terms within them, requirements within them for residents, residential uh, property owners, commercial property owners to, to comply with the rules in there. And so what I found over the last few years is that really those bylaws did not have enough teeth. You know, there just there just wasn't enough in, to, to encourage people to comply. And so recently, within the last two years, um, I called for and got approved changes, recommendations, amendments to the Neighborhood Livability Bylaw. The city's efforts aren't stopping people from entering these vacant properties or dumping on the land. The bylaws simply fine the landowner. What we don't want as a city, we don't want empty buildings being empty buildings year after year after year. 
right? So, so we want to make sure that those that own property and those that own buildings um, have a plan to redevelop their property, uh, convert that property into, uh, into, into kind of into, into used uh, space. So this goes back to what Sandy Hopkins said about having issues with the city granting Habitat for Humanity these demolition permits that they want. We don't, we don't just buy and then build the next day on the, on the piece of land. Right. Or, or we, we always want to be sure that we have enough land and inventory for our build plan for this year and for next year. And so uh, usually we are always in the market um, and buying land that just goes into inventory. Councillor Gillingham says the city doesn't want empty buildings. Instead, they hope to see a plan to rebuild. In the case of Habitat, this isn't always possible because they don't have the funding to do a build the moment they receive the property. So vacant buildings stay intact but eventually cause safety hazards like the ones that Jonathan and Martone experienced. If you take what real estate agents are saying about how fast these properties are selling, unseen by buyers because developers want land within the city, and then compare it to the issues Habitat for Humanity is having convincing the city for demolition permits, it makes it look as if the permit requirements for rebuilding plans is making it easier for larger companies to come in and build, which is effectively making it harder for organizations like Habitat for Humanity to build more homes for low-income Winnipeggers. So far in this series, we've explored how vacant buildings can spawn crime, impact neighbors, and damage community morale. The pandemic could give Winnipeg's vacant housing rate the drop it needs, welcoming in new families and creating new opportunities for growth. On the next episode of Vacant City. Uh, There's a lot of evidence that uh, affordable housing uh, not only um, increases the like the health of a neighborhood by providing affordable housing to those who need it, but is actually an economically positive investment. This episode was reported, written, and produced by Hyatt Abinchin and Sydney Lockhart. The executive producer of Vacant City is Caitlin Stryline. This podcast was created by Red River College journalism students. Today's music is brought to you by Ketza and Ariel. Follow us at VacantCityWPG on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Michelle Karlenzig. <laughs>